Hi, I'm Nancy Dufresne. Welcome to our podcast channel. We know you'll be blessed by today's message. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for the moving of the spirit. I just pray, Father, that you will use me today. Make my tongue as a ready writer, a pen of a ready writer to write some things in people. I pray that our ears be open, our hearts be receptive to the things I'm going to say. I'm not sure where everybody's at. I'm, I'm moving with you right now on a further level of this, but I thank you for it. Revelational flow. And I ask you to help me as I speak as the oracles of God and minister with your ability, Father, 1 Peter 4, so that you may be glorified, Jesus, in everything that's done here. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Don't let this big book freak you out now. This is one of my bigger books. I, I did want to say if you want one, you can get my ministry, Michael Jacobs Ministries. It gives you whatever I have. I don't know how many books I have now, maybe 10. I don't know. But this is on deliverance. And uh, I just am thrilled to teach on it. I'm just so excited. And it bothers me sometimes as a man of God and as a prophet in particular that I don't hear a whole lot of teaching on it. And when I do, it's not right. And so that's, it kind of grieves me. I'm talking about being delivered from demon power. Are you preaching it to me? Of course I'm preaching it to you. <laughs> now, before you discount yourself, say, oh, I'm not going to get up there. Well, then don't come. I can't get you free if you don't want to be delivered. But always know this about me. If I don't say it, I'm thinking it. Everything I preach is from two perspectives. Say two. two. One is to help you if you need help. And number two is to teach you how to be a person who could do the same thing. There's just a lack of people that I know of, you know, getting people delivered. Not, you don't have to be in the church service sometimes. I was on a plane a while back and I was having an epileptic seizure and the stewardess got on. We were about 30,000. Is there a doctor in here? Well, I didn't raise my hand. I'm not a medical doctor. And uh, she came by me. Nobody went, got up and I tapped her on her arm. It was in one of those short planes, a little one seat and two seat. I said, I'm a pastor, a preacher, and I'd be glad to go back and pray for that guy if they want me. And she said, wait a minute, they want you. Went back and there was a Catholic couple here. His head was against the window on the inside. And he was slobbering and his eyes were rolled back and he said, let me get to him. And I, and I didn't whisper it, but I didn't, you know, I didn't say, now everybody listen, I'm going to say something important. <laughs> Why don't you just be you? So I said, Father, I take authority over this commandment to stop right now. Immediately quite, quit shaking. His wife was with him and said, you can wipe his mouth off or he got, you know, foam coming out. And he got delivered. And I asked them, I said, what? they said, we're Catholics. We're so thankful you came. I said, well, Catholics believe in miracles better than the Pentecostals. <laughs> you know, sometimes we say we're word people. You can get so rigid, you're not going to get half of what I'm going to say to you. <laughs> I never heard that before. That doesn't mean it's not real. Did you ever think of that? Hey, I'm an ex-drug addict. I never thought of anything but just getting high and goofing off. When I was a drug addict for the, and I'm going to say some things. I hope I don't say anything inappropriate, but if I do, you just forgive me. How's that? <laughs> All right. You know, it's, everybody's so guarded sometimes. It's like no fun to preach if you're like that. I'm just straight. You know, I'm just kind of a straight shooter. I'm not trying to impress you. I'd like you to like me, but if you don't, I'm still going to take a plane home tomorrow and go home. 
And I found out tonight, this morning, she's going to give me an offering. <laughs> Just to take my offering and go home. I wasn't asked to speak till last night. I didn't come out here to preach. I came out here to learn. And Pastor Nancy, thank you for your kindness to me. I don't want to get emotional. We've been friends a long time. And I don't remember what year that was we were in Peru. You and Dad talked to me about I was going to die if I didn't get some weight off. You remember that? And she prayed for me. I mean, at home. She prayed for me then, but she prayed for me a lot at home. So anyway, you, you say, well, that's great. Yeah, but Dad stood me up in front of 1,200 people. I was the only preacher that night he made stand on his feet. Are you going to do anything about your flesh, Michael? I wasn't doing living in sin, but I had a big old belly. <laughs> anyway. He was concerned for my health. I got on the other side of that. I'm still working on me. It's evident, isn't it? But anyway, (laughs) I'm not talking to you about being fat or skinny. I could care less. (laughs) Do what you want, but just remember there's consequences with stuff. Okay. I'd like you to turn with me, first of all, to Mark 16. And these are the pages I'm going to preach from, but this is my this is more of my study book. I got a smaller book than that on the same material, but this one has blank pages for Bible schools. I'm coming out here. I guess it's okay to say I'm coming back next month and I'm going to be with the Bible school and I think I'm doing some public services too. But I'll bring the stuff for the students, you know, my books, and I'll probably bring this one because it has blank pages. Let me just read you a little bit. Here's, here's what the chapters are, Deliverance of Forgotten Ministry. I mean, I'm sure other people preach this. I just don't know who they are. I never see it on TV. And if I do, it's not right, you know, the way they presented it. The authority of the believer. If you don't know you have authority, you won't do anything with what I'm teaching, period. Because you'd have to know you have authority over the devil before you start dealing with him. He's not going to win in my life. I'm not afraid of him. I don't do stupid things, but I'm not afraid of him when, you know, I confront him. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) I was thinking, too, about, anyway, let me read this on. The origin of the devil and demons, and Brother Hagin and Dr. Summerall disagreed on that, but I love both of those men. They were great men of God, pioneers of faith, both of them. And then uh, types of demons. How many types of demons are there, Dr.? As many strange things are in humans. I'm not being funny. So I don't have them all named and labeled. I and that's another thing. I don't ask how many's in there. Why would you ask a devil about anything? Because they're all liars. You think you've got them cleaned up? And they say, how many more is in there? There's 500 of us. Oh, my God. I didn't come to camp out there. I, it really, I'm serious. I just do it real simple. And I just say, come out. And they've all came out. Some of them come out right then. Some of them maybe it's procrastinated, you know, a little bit of length of time. So I tell people that you may have an emotional deal the next two or three days. Don't worry about it. That's just the devil coming out. Hallelujah. I don't believe in a lot of drama. I just believe in getting the job done. How, How demons operate, demons in disease. This is a big one in our world today. How demons gain entrance. That's one of my favorite chapters. I have 10 things I think written down. How devils, and one of the main reasons is your words. But you can participate in sin and repent, and that doesn't mean you're possessed the rest of your life with that. 
But you can't just go on and on and on. You, you get it, you'll get, it'd be like, uh, where's uh, Pastor De La Cruz? Where's he at? Right here. Stand up a minute. Let me just stand up a minute. Now, I could, if he put him in a chair and I took a piece of duct tape around him maybe twice, he's a strong guy. He'd probably break out. But if I put, did that 50 times, he's taking the chair with him when he gets up. <laughs> and that's what the devil's like. He just wraps you up. Just a loop at a time. And maybe you do this or you do that. And it don't seem like it affected you, but that you do it again. And it's, you can sit down, Pastor. Thank you. I just, he's a big guy. And then eventually you get up, the chair gets up with you. Go to sit in your car, you won't work. You know, you have to. All right. How demons gain interest, the occult. I don't teach a lot about that. But can a believer have a demon? The short answer is yes. Do you have scripture? Of course I got scripture. Would you ask me that? Would you really, did you really ask me that? I got four or five scriptures, six or seven, but I probably won't get to all this. How to stay free. And then I thought I was done with my book. And I said, how's that, Father? He says, not good enough. What do you want? I want you to write the last chapter on my blood, and I want you to just start from scratch and just write it. And, and I did that. And Pastor Nancy, she didn't know this. She helped me in a scripture in Hebrews, I think it's chapter 9, where you, the blood, something about your conscience. She thought it was like the delete key on a computer. I don't even have, I have a computer. I never turn it on. So I'm just kind of old school. I barely know how to operate my phone. But he said, I want a chapter in there on my blood. See, you didn't ple be pleading the blood. I, I assume everybody in the Word of Faith and Spirit Church knows that. You need to apply the blood to your life, to your mind, to your flesh, <laughs> to where you live, to where in your car. I don't go around in fear. Let me just say that I don't run around looking for devils, but if I find one, I know what to do with him. All right. All right. Let's, where did I ask you to turn? <laughs> okay. Mark 16. Then I'll say something else I was going to say about Pastor Nancy here. That, thank you for letting me preach, Pastor Nancy. Uh, let's see. Mark 16. Let's look here in verse 17. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Didn't say it follow preachers. It ought to. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out, should be demons. And they shall speak with new tongues, they take up serpents and drink any deadly thing and will not hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Then verse 20, and they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. So whenever I preach on a subject, I think God's going to confirm it. <laughs> so we'll just hopefully we'll say some things that will help you. You know, and if you get up here, listen, I don't ask people in this public setting like this, I don't ask people what you're up here for. I just know whatever it is, you know there's a problem, and I'm going to deal with that. I know somebody say, well, you got to name the devil. I don't know why she thought that. Jesus did that a few times, but he didn't tell me to do that every single time. Yeah. All right. Praise the Lord. So we say, I'll just point out one thing here, verse 17. The first sign he said, not the third sign, the first sign he said would happen to those of us who believe in his name is casting out devils. 
It's the last one I got to on that list. I didn't know what a devil was. And, you know, of course, I was a drug addict. I was, I was hooked on everything but phonics. <laughs> Some of it I'd be ashamed to tell you. I'm going to tell you a little bit of my life. I hope you won't be too judgmental. But anyway, I just think it's something when he, it's a law of first mention. And then people just look over it and I say, I don't do this and I'm not going to do it to you, but I used to go to local churches. Is there anybody here that's cast the devil out of another human being in the last year? Raise your hand. Oh, well, that, I wasn't saying that for you. <laughs> One guy went, <laughs> thank God. So, but I felt like people got embarrassed because most of them couldn't raise their hand. Well, I go to church. That's not what I ask you. I know the Bible. That's not what I ask you. Have you cast the devil out of any human being on this planet in the last 12 months? Just think what would happen even if a half of them that got delivered came to church. Your church would double or triple or quadruple. Now, I don't, I'm not out looking for that. I'm just talking. Okay. So what I'm, what the reason I think it's important, Jesus said, I didn't say it, he said it. It's the first thing he said that would happen, one of the signs would be to cast out demons in his name. All right. Praise the Lord. Now, I want you to turn with me to, uh, to uh, Psalm 18 here a minute. Psalm 18. I'm going to tell probably a lot of stuff about myself because I know me. <laughs> Psalm 18 here. I just, this has, you know, I've been studying this since 1978. And I graduated from seminary in 78. Did they teach you that? Oh, they didn't teach me nothing hardly. And I went to a prestigious school, not out of my calling. I mean, that, that, that's just where I ended up. But I didn't go to Rhema or I didn't go someplace else. So, you know, I'm not taking pot shots at anybody here. But if you haven't been taught it, you don't know what you're doing. What did Pastor Nancy tell us last night? You have to have a pattern. You have to have an example. None of my professors there believed in that. I teach a lot on that other world. Demonic angelic. The angels are here with me today that run with me. And there's others here too, but we're not teaching on that. Psalm 18, verse one and two here. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. I wanted to show you that David considered Jesus or father at that point, his personal deliverer. See, so it's one thing to say we do that, but we have to personally get to the place where Jesus, you're my deliverer. And when I was, I, I know you laughed at me and I expected you to, but when I was a drug addict, I didn't care what anybody thought. I just did whatever I wanted to do until I about, <laughs> I died out of that later, you know, in, in the summer of 71. But anyway, you know, I got, got in trouble. I just said, well, I'm not going to get into drugs. And then I got into drugs and I said, well, I'm not going to do, you know, uh, other things, barbiturates and speed and hallucinogenic. I did all that. And then when I got done doing that, I said, well, I'm not going to put no needle in my arm. And before I knew it, I was shooting up speed every chance I had. And I ended up in a mess, <laughs> a drug addict. 
So I'm just talking to you. See, what they were saying is same thing with people. Well, this isn't going to matter that much. Well, I think I'd like to, well, that's not going to matter that much. And that tape's getting around you. <laughs> Duct tape. And then you get out here somewhere and you're bound. He tries taking over your mind. He tries other things. The devil's ugly and mean. I hate him. I don't know about you, but I don't hate people, but I hate him. So anyway, uh, I went to seminary and then I ended up in a Pentecostal church, which is a long story, a Baptist seminary. I got spirit filled reading Dennis Bennett's book. He's an Episcopalian. I just knew cone hats, incense and candles. That's all I knew about Episcopalians. But I found out when I read his book, I read about five pages. It dawned on me, this guy is spiritually intelligent, but he's a simple writer. And the next morning I got on my knees in my bedroom, the same apartment I was in when I went to seminary, said, Father, I want that. And I didn't talk like this next statement. I made a statement. I thought, where did that come from? I don't care who it separates me from or takes me to. And boy, it's been working ever since then, <laughs> separating people out, bringing new people in. Yeah. Praise the Lord. I wanted to say something. These are my these are the prophetic words that Pastor Nancy and Dr. Dufresne give me. It's pretty ragged sheet. I, some of them ripped apart and I had to get new ones. And, but this particular prophecy, I was studying this and praying to come today. I thought it fit here. This was April 22nd, 209 in Pastor Everly's church. And uh, dad was praying in tongues over me and Pastor Nancy, you were there. And you said, there's a mantle that's been assigned to your life, but it's been held in check until now. Now, I was already casting out devils since 1978. I'm going to tell you about it in a minute. But now it's time for that mantle to come. Now it's time for the mantle to be placed on your life so that you can move into another place of authority. And you know, if we're studiers and we move forward, you may not get a word from somebody like a prophet, like Pastor Nancy, really prophetic lady. But she's a great teacher. But my point is in your life, things will happen. And either the Holy Ghost will tell you something, even in this meeting, I know she said, there's new mantles coming. Right. You remember that night? I said, Father, I receive it. Yeah. I'll have to pray about it a little bit. I think to understand fully what, you know, direction to go in or tweak myself. You know, the Holy Ghost is in us. He, he tells you if you listen yes. and if you'll ask him, you'll pray about it. <laughs> okay. Praise the Lord. I was in Siberia with dad three times, well, three, and then in St. Petersburg once. And he asked me to share my testimony one time. So I got up in Abacon in Siberia and shared my testimony. I said, if you have any current addicts in here, come to the altar. I'm going to set you free. 37 people came. I didn't count them. Somebody with me said 37 people came, men and women both. And I just laid hands on them. And you know, they don't speak English there, but the devil knows English. Did the same thing in Mexico and Peru and Ecuador and Colombia, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all over the world, wherever I've been, Germany. Well, there's rigid people. <laughs> Hallelujah. Don't take offense. I'm just different personalities. I like the Latin Americans somewhat. They're partial to them. They're just so warm and greedy. They hug up on you and stuff. You know what I mean. Do I have to say appropriately or do you read that into that? 
All right. Are you still here to go home on me? <laughs> I hope you can follow me. I'm kind of scatterload here. I wanted to read what Brother Hagin said. This is on authority and dominion. And in my book on devils, I had a chapter on authority. In my book on angels, I have a chapter on authority. Because if you knew everything I knew about either of these areas and you didn't use your authority, you're not doing nothing. The angels aren't doing anything for you. <laughs> and the devil, he's just learned to run wild. Because you have to have the authority. See, God gave, gave us the authority. But I thought this was important to say, Brother Kenneth E. Hagin, Satan has no authority over the believer unless the believer gives him access or authority through number one, a lack of knowledge of God's word. I've had pastors tell me, I don't want to get in that, Dr. Jacobs, that's a mess. It's a mess. You mean casting out devils is a mess? I'm a little bolder than I once was, you know, so. I want to say, did you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Did you know that Jesus dealt with devils in people? I'm not talking about spirits in the high places. But he dealt with human beings that were in trouble. About a third of his ministry. Mm -hmm. So a lack of knowledge of God. If we don't teach it, people won't understand it. Number two, disobedience will open the door for the devil to have access to you. If God says, don't go there and you go there, you might because of grace and his great mercy and loving kindness. I know that's true in my life. The first time I did something that I shouldn't have done, I didn't fall over dead. I'm not advocating doing anything that would be disobedient. But, but I'm just showing you this is important. And then Brother Hagin said, failure to exercise his rights in Christ. Okay, I'm just, I just think that's important to know that. Really important. Hallelujah. Let's see here. Let's go to Psalm 27 a minute. I want to read one verse here. I had a vision a long time ago. Of course, I have visions now, and I, you know, I sometimes talk about them, but people are so skittish anymore. But I saw this little monkey-looking creature following this lady around. He had a little notebook and pen, and he was watching her. I, I saw he would make a note every time she said something. And I saw her maybe not behave herself appropriately. Didn't see anything sexual, but he made a note of something. Then I saw that same a spirit like that, a monkey-looking creature. He's got a notebook and pen. He's following this guy around. He's taking notes on you. You know, I teach a lot about angels. When you're, when you're birthed in the earth, you get a guardian angel. You really get a bunch of angels, but one main angel that's assigned to your life. He has other angels under him. I don't have time to explain that to you, so just either believe it or let it go. But I know what I'm talking about. But you also get a familiar spirit assigned to you. That's familiar with your family, familiar with you. Because they're in the spirit. You don't see them, you know, unless you have discerning of spirits. You either have to have a vision, a dream, or discerning of spirits, or you're going to see anything. You don't have to see anything to be effective. Either angelic or demonic. You just say what you need to say, and the appropriate beings will obey you. Mm -hmm. If I had something happen to me, I'd turn around and speak to it. Well, did you see it? Well, sometimes I do, but not every time. No, you're not welcome here. Get your stuff and get out in Jesus' name. 
I'm not going to listen to you. Yeah. <laughs> and pretty soon he's scurrying around getting his stuff. It takes off. Sometimes I see it. But here was the thing. I had that vision about those little monkey looking creatures, demonic creatures, falling around taking notes. But I never said a word publicly because I had no chapter and verse for it. I was in the green room about, I don't know, Dad was still here, so it had to have been over nine years ago. Ricky Edwards sat across from me at the table. He said, Dr. Jacobs, say, tell me you preach on deliverance some. I said, I sure do. He said, you know this scripture? And he said, Psalm 27, verse 11. Let me show it to you. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path. A better translation would be a straight path because of my enemies. But in my Bible, and it says Hebrew down here in the footnote, those which observe me. So you've got things observing you, beings watching you. So I'm just showing you that. So we need to live right. We need to take authority over the devil. I'm not running around every day talking about it 50 times a day. But take authority over him in the name of Jesus. What if it didn't see anything wrong? I'd still just beat the tar out of him. No, listen to me. You can listen or not listen. But if you're, I know sometimes I'm a little aggressive. But my, I'm going to say what my wife said. When you teach deliverance, you get aggressive. You get mean almost. I said, I'm not trying. Well, it's because the devil's mad and he's pushing me and I'm pushing right back. You want to push it? Come on. <laughs> I was in the Navy for a while in boot camp. I had this friend in there. He's a, my age, of course, we're all young guys. I think I was 18. He had a water head, they called it. His head was about one and a half times the size of all the rest of us guys. Then I, there was a bully in there. And he just kept taunting this kid. He, he didn't taunt me, but he kept taunting this kid. And one day I was laying down on the rack, you know, in the bed there. It was in the middle of the day something. And he said something to that boy. I jumped off the bed and got in the aisle where he was. And I looked up and I said, hey, big mouth. <laughs> he looked at me like, you talking to me? Yeah, I'm talking to you, big mouth. I've just had it. You pulled all my buttons, rang all my bell, bells. Either bring it or shut up. You might whip me, but I'm going to hurt you in the process. I'm telling you, I can hurt you. And I'm going to hurt you if you don't talk to me. He acted stunned that anybody would talk like to him. And I just kept using that phrase, big mouth. I said, if you say anything more to this boy while we're here, we still had a month and a half, I will jump you out. I will bite you. I will kick you. I'll hurt you. If we're eating lunch and you say something, to, I'm jumping the table, brother. I got a fork. You think I'm kidding. You don't know me. I try to be a little gentler now, but if people really push me out, I, you don't want to do that to me. I think I'm controlled a little bit, but... But I wasn't going to let him go with just standing there. I said, either say something or I'm going to run at you full speed in about 30 seconds. Big mouth. And you know what? He thought about that. I said, I'm going to hurt you too. I'm going to enjoy it. Since you just come in here, you think you can talk anyway to anybody. Well, I'm here. What do you got to say? And all these other men, not the barracks was full, but there was probably 35 men in there. 
And then his cronies jumped off the bed behind him. Now there's five of them. I'm thinking, praise God, we're going to get it. <laughs> I don't know. You know, some of you need a little gas in your tank or something. Now, I don't go into groceries and start fights. I'm not going to do anything in the parking lot. Don't try to antagonize me. Humanity sometimes, I don't know they're out to lunch when it comes to what I'm talking about. But I just stayed with him. I said, you're about down to 15 seconds. But then when those guys showed him, there's four or five guys. I heard something behind me. They were behind me. I said, well, praise God. I said, speaker, I'm running. I'm running right at you. Even with all your other bully buddies. Now, you're going to say, yes, I'm going to shut my mouth or I'm going to beat it out of you. And he just stood there like, I'm not going to say nothing. Then I said, you're running out of time, brother. Okay. Okay, what? I'll not say anything to him anymore. I said, I'm warning you, if you do, I will break rank. I don't care if they kick me out. I will jump over on you. I will tackle you. Now, really, you shouldn't treat people that way. A couple guys here, they are. Oh, I don't want to fight. But if you fight right spiritually, you won't have to deal with all that. But somehow you got, the reason I told that story, I think it was at Jackie Hartman's church. And I talked about, shut up, big mouth. And she got up the next day, pastor had her introduce me, said, Dr. Jacobs, I will never forget big mouth. And I told him, that's just like the devil. He acts like he's tough. He shoots his mouth off all the time. He's trying to intimidate you. Where do you think that money's coming from anyway? You know, or you think you can be healed of this or whatever. He, he will taunt you. Don't let him torment you at all. Torment him. Just torment him a little bit. I'm not geared that way. Yes, you are. You football fans, you're geared just like that. Basketball players. Basketball games. Oh, my gosh. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Hallelujah. I better get on with this a little bit. Let me, I don't even know what time I started, but anyway, I want to tell you about me. You know, I was a drug addict for three years and I just did whatever I thought I wanted to do. About the only thing I didn't do, I shot heroin one time and that made me deathly sick. I said, I'm not going to, that's not a fun drug. <laughs> I went back to methadrine, which is speed. And somebody said, did you quit doing dope because you found Jesus? I quit doing dope because it was killing me. You can imagine me hundred pounds lighter than this. That's what I was. Cause it, you never get hungry. You just high. Then you crash. That's another, that's a demonic area when you crash, but it's all demonic. <laughs> so anyway, I went on, a, I got saved. I don't know if I could tell that whole story right now. It'd take a lot of time, but Anyway, I was in California. I was out here at Venice Beach. There was five or six of us that came from where I live in Indiana to get some new drug partners. And we borrowed the guy's fit across the hall. I was staying in a tenement house. I, this, this gives you an idea. It's like a bad movie. We're, you know, I'm just elaborating, you know, like you got trench coat on, you pull that back, you got a shot off shotgun, bam, bam, bam. It's just like a wild west out there. But what I did is I was the last one to go in and shoot up in the bathroom. 
and I got in the bathroom there and I shot up and took my tourniquet off and all of a sudden the shower curtain disappeared and I saw myself in a movie, not continuously, but little clips. And the Lord spoke to me. I didn't even know him back then. Somehow down here, you know, things your head doesn't understand. And he said, Michael, go home. And I knew he wasn't talking about dying. That was in October of 71. I had died that July in October back in Indiana in my room at the farm. Couldn't find my heartbeat. My friend tried to find it. He couldn't find it. He freaked out, took me and put me in the truck. I think he, he thought I'm going to die. And then what am I going to do with his body? If, you know, if they find me, they got people come out there to interrogate everybody. We're all drug addicts. So he took me to his mom and dad's house. Uh, when I came back and laid down that night, I left my body. And I went up to about the ceiling. God's hand came out. I don't know how I knew it was God's hand. I was totally wasted. And he just pushed his, my spirit back in my body. He dealt with me after I got saved about two years. said, you remember that night in the farmhouse? I said, I sure do. I'll never forget it. He said, I did that for you to be a preacher. Of course, he saved my life several times in drug addiction because of people you run into that, uh, you know, let's just say don't have much regard for life. Anyway, so I got saved. I came back home from that California thing in the bath. First, I came out and told the other guys that were my friends, hey, I'm going home tomorrow. You're going home tomorrow. And then a lot of expletives. We're going to get up and shut you up. How's that? I said, well, you can try. I don't know if I can beat all of you. I doubt it. But (laughs) I got something from God in that bathroom. They looked at me like, you're crazy. You got some bad dope. I said, don't give me that. I've been taking dope with you guys and sometimes more than you took. And that's not bad dope. I know what that feels like too. I was just stone sober. I mean, just met God back there and he told me to go home. And I knew he meant to my mom and dad's house. Because at that moment I realized I can't live like this anymore. So I came out there and I started telling them I bummed them all. All of them had a head on and I bummed them all out. If you know what I mean. They were just really angry with me. I said, well, you can be angry with me if you want, but I'm going home. You're going to run home to mommy? I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm not going to live with you guys anymore. You've been my best friends for three years, but I can't live. And I started crying. I can't live like this. Does it mean nothing to you guys? We buried five of our friends last year. Three of them overdosed, two of them shot to death. What? I just can't live. And I began to really weep and have a hard time talking. But I came home and I went to the Baptist church I'd grown up in as a kid. And within six weeks, I gave my life to Jesus. All right. And then I began to study the Bible and things like that. And uh, God wouldn't leave me alone and call me into the ministry. And so I think I was in, I'm trying to remember now, maybe, uh, uh, maybe, let's see here, the second church I, well, yeah, the second church I pastored. And all of a sudden, one day I woke up. I'm talking about myself now. I just want you to listen a minute. I woke up and my mind was filled with filth. I hate to tell you that. And even things I had not done. He had images of those things. And I, well, I never did that. But what some of the things he, he showed me I had done. So I prayed like a normal person should when you're under attack. But I just I graduated seminary three months before that, and they didn't teach me any of this, what I'm talking to you about. They didn't even bring it up. <laughs> so the first thing I did, I went to my wife. I said, honey, I don't, I don't know how to tell you this, but I'm covered up in my mind 
with filthy images and I'm so, I'm so, I'm just so messed up and I don't know how to get it out of there. But I guarantee you, I don't have anybody on the side. I'm not watching porn. You'd think I have an amen somewhere here, but anyway. <laughs> and so my friend who was a Christian church pastor, Spiritfield, I used to go pray in tongues with him up at his church. He said, I'm having a guest this week, Michael, why don't you come hear him? So I think, I, and I didn't tell him, I was embarrassed to tell anybody. How do you tell somebody that you're a pastor and you're having filthy images in your mind? So I just had to wing it kind of stay in the Bible and know that my heart was right. But I was struggling with this mental stuff. He was tormenting me. <laughs> so I, I went to that meeting that night. The guy that preached it. Okay. I'll just be sweet. He did. Okay. But then he said, I got a friend with me, George. And he said, come up and say hi to the people. He took that mic, George Gray's his name. He said, greetings in the name of Jesus. And when he started talking, I was sitting like where Dennis is. And he said, Michael, get up there and tell him your problem. He can help you. Now, I'm, in a, I'm only five miles from my old church. I don't know how many of my people are sitting behind me. <laughs> so he had a handheld mic. And so to not to tell the whole congregation, I gently put this arm like that. And I said, I said, I'm an ex-drug addict, but I'm a preacher now. And the devil has filled my mind with filth. And I don't want it. That's the cre decree. You've got to not want it. So he had his Bible in this hand. He laid his Bible on my head. I'm going to face you. I was facing him. Father, wash him with the washing of the water of the word. I had never felt anything like that in my life. The power of God hit my top of my head, went through my mouth, my torso, down my feet, shot. I thought I blew every toenail off. <laughs> it went foom, foom. And it just took about three seconds, and I knew I was free. And I knew that guy had some power. I had him come to my church later. Wonderful. I don't know if he's still alive now. That's way back. That would have been like 78. But see, let me tell you something. In, in tandem with what happened, the devil was trying to do. I was studying about him, trying to teach about him. How many understand what I'm saying? All that was new to me. I mean, I read my Bible, but the part on deliverance, I overlooked it because I didn't, I, I didn't know what that meant and how to do that. So the Lord said to me, this, I'm telling you, this is important. I know I sound like some other people said this. Michael, I want you to study about devils and demons. I'm going to teach you how to deal with them. Don't read anybody's book about it. So, you know, I, I knew who Kenneth Hagin was. I wasn't familiar with him. Dr. Summerall lived in my state at the top. I lived at the bottom. But he said, don't read any book about it. He said, don't listen to anybody's tapes about it. That's what he said. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the book of Acts. Do what I did. Do what the early church did, and you'll have success. Stay with us. So that's what I did. I just got up one day and said, next Wednesday we're teaching on deliverance. And so I preached on that that Wednesday night. Anybody, and I said, anybody need help? And this one lady, she was a visitor. Her name's Patty. She came forward and she, I said, what's up with you? She said, the devil's covered me up. Her name is Patty. I'll never forget. She had a red sweater on. I'll tell you why. Uh, I said, in Jesus' name, I grabbed her. Come out of her. And all of a sudden, now this petite woman, this man's voice spoke back. I will not. I said, you will. You'll shut up now. My wife said, my face turned as red as her sweater. And I looked at my people and they were all like, oh my God, he's got a real one. I'm waiting for them to help me. 
They're out to lunch. (laughs) Somebody in the crew started singing, oh, the blood of Jesus. Thank God for anything right then. My wife and I, my wife went to heaven about a year and a half ago, but oh, probably five years ago, we ran back into that lady in a, in a uh, cafeteria. She was working there, came to my table, said, you're Pastor Jacobs, aren't you? I said, yeah, I was. I, I still am a man of God. She said, you know that night you prayed for me in the church? I said, I sure do. She said, I've never had another problem with what I was dealing with right then. Right there was worth it all, I think. That's been all, probably 30 years ago or more since I saw her. Hallelujah. Let me, let me give you a couple more things here. Now, you know what's interesting to me when I teach about it and pastors would ask me to come, what would you like to teach on, Dr. Jacobs, or, or just pastor, whatever? I said, how about deliverance? Um, got anything else? I said, sure, I got a lot of <laughs> And I wanted to say, what's the matter with you? You need to, you need to take on big mouth sometime. Come on. If Jesus spent that much time with humanity, helping them in this particular area, I don't understand how just a regular believer, much less a preacher, could feel like you could just let that slide. What you neglect, you'll have to deal with one way or another. I wrote this down. I was a young preacher, 28 years old, and my friends, all my friends said, you better watch out. This is extreme. You're going to tear your ministry up. Well, here I am. I've been in the ministry 45 years. <laughs> Not bragging on that. It's all been a learning process. Hallelujah. But my personal experience that time with George Gray in my own life, and I've got delivered from something else. Uh, I, I don't know if I have time to tell that tonight. But anyway, this is important for us to study this and learn this. I got some stuff here I want to say. As we get, we're still okay, I think. It's just 10 after 11. You're not going to see this on Christian TV, probably. <laughs> I'd be shocked if you did. I heard one of these guys teaching. I won't mention his name. I don't slander people. And he's very well known in America. And he's in a big coliseum. Man, he's preaching deliverance. I said, Praise God, get him, brother. And he just gets to the end, closes his Bible, says, See you later. Of course, they may have cut that out of TV, but why would you cut out something? Yeah. Now, after I got more established, I did go to Norval's meetings. He had one meeting a year at his Bible school on deliverance, and I would go every year. Mm-hmm. One time my friend Dale went, and all of a sudden this guy, big guy, 6'3", he had handcuffs on, hand, feet restraints, and a chain between the two. And he come walking in, and Dale grabbed my arm like this. Where's Norval? <laughs> I said, he'll be here. Yeah, getting real now. And, if, and, so, and so by the end of the week, that young man was delivered. He was probably doing something, you know, sexual somewhat because he took all his clothes off and ran through a university campus. They locked him up for a while and his daddy was there. His dad was an older man. I'll never forget Norval said, are you this boy's dad? Yeah, get down here and worship God. <laughs> like we were talking last night. And that father got down on his knees and worshiped God the rest of that service. And during the day, the students that were with Norville, they stayed with this guy that was chained. And by the end of the week, he was unchained. <laughs> Not everybody's that far out, but I'm just telling you, we're just talking here. 
Let me give you a little, a couple pointers here. You just need to say, come out in Jesus' name. Can you, could you comprehend this about me like in the Wizard of Oz? Now, I know some people said, well, I never let my kids watch that. I, that's a great movie. It's got all kinds of descriptive things about the devil, the monkeys, the whole thing. <laughs> but just pretend I'm Toto today. There's a dog, and he gets this edge, he grabs the edge of that curtain and pulls it with his teeth. And there's a guy back there saying, don't pay any attention to the dog, don't pay any attention to the guy. And Dorothy, she gave him what for. You need to give the devil what for, just for fun. I don't know about you, I don't like the fact that he tried to ruin my life. And it isn't like I've lived on some kind of utopia. I buried my wife, I buried my son-in-law, all kinds of, this is in the last two or three years. Not proud of that, I wish we could have changed it all for everybody, but we weren't able to, I was not able to. So you just say, come out in Jesus' name and speak with authority. See, when he said, read all the passage, I got over in Luke 4 and said, Jesus spoke with authority. Mark 1, Jesus spoke with authority. You look it up in the Greek, it's either more emphatic. So I just took him as a pattern. You may or may not especially have an anointing for this. I'd like to say things like this, it'd help you. Uh, 1978, when I first began to teach on this, like Mark 16 says, there's nothing mentioned about the anointing in Mark 16 or any special gifting. I just want to say that. So you listening to me? I operate in discerning of spirits now and miracles and word of knowledge and a lot of other things, but I didn't have any of that then. I just got fed up with the devil and said, I'm going to start teaching it and start studying it and make notes, go where Jesus ministered. How did he handle that situation? Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. So you may or may not, especially now, now, Pastor Nancy, you were here. Here it is right here. 2012 Holy Ghost meeting. Anybody in that meeting besides me? Dennis was, I know. Pastor, you were ministering with Dad. It was through tongues interpretation. You ministered to about 40 preachers. It was set up a little different that time. This went more this way here. And I, I'm pretty sensitive because I've studied on angels for over 40 some years. But I studied on deliverance prior to that. So I felt this angel coming up around me and dad was in front of me. And like, let's say Dennis is me right now. He said, there's an angel coming. I felt him. I wonder, what is he doing? He, you know, I felt him come up to me there. And dad said, put your hands out. And he put his finger in my hand and said, now you've got a tangible anointing for deliverance. He said, I know you've ministered 30 some years on that already, but now you have an anointing for that in your hands for deliverance. But I had perfectly good results prior to, but now I've got something added in. All right. And I could still miss it. Let, let me say, if I say something to you and it sounds like funny or junk, just shred it. I really like shredders. I won't go there with you. Man, I really like them. I burned two or three of them up. My books on my bookshelf in here, some of them are shaking because they think he's going to find some unbelief in it. Shred the tar out of that. Anyway. (laughs) 
Praise the Lord. You remember that, Pastor Nancy? Yes. That, that moment? Now, this is interesting. I, and some of you, most of you, if you know Brother Hagen, Patsy Caminetti, I was watching her recently on TV. She's somewhere in Australia or New Zealand. or And she made this comment, and I thought, I knew that, but I didn't know it. I knew it in here, but she said she used to walk with Brother Hagen in the healing school. And she said approximately one in every four didn't need healing, they needed deliverance. Wow. That had to be before 203 because he went to heaven then. I would say it's more like one in three or something. I don't know. I'm just telling you what I think. There's an additional angels coming, and some of them are already here from heaven for this next move of God. I saw a bunch of them come in the 90s because they had a vision. But also there's some demons that have been, and I'm going to read what Brother Hagin said. But I thought Patsy Caminetti, I think she's a pretty trusted person. If you listen to her, she's a pretty mature lady, spiritually, I think. Uh, Brother Hagin, this was, this was in 1983, he, he uh, was speaking. He said, in this move of God, we're just about to spring upon us. There will be, this was in 83, there'll be a manifestation of casting out demons that you haven't seen yet. That was way back then. Now, some men have drawn back from casting out demons, and the Spirit of God said, I began to move along this line a few years ago, and men aborted the move. I could name them, but I'm not going to slander them, because I know who they are. They wrote books about it, and it wasn't right. And they mixed some of their own thinking in with the Word, and they tried to control it and do it according to whatever pattern they were thinking, and according to this way, we think it should be done. But you haven't seen anything of what you're going to see in dealing with demons. For demons are let loose upon the earth. That's back in 83. How much more do you think it is today? You ever, I mean, I hardly watch news anymore, but if I do, I say, this is really a screwed up culture. I mean, just people just are weirded out. They don't even know if they're male or female. I was going to say something, but I'll hold that because you might think it's too offensive. I don't know. Maybe you'd be more radical than me if you were me. I don't know. They're going about as never before because they know their time is short, talking about demons. And so in the multiplication, this advance of demon activity, there will be the activity of the Holy Ghost. Demons that have harassed men, demons that have held ministries in check, keep you at a certain level, mentally, emotionally, financially, whatever, whatever realms there are. Held ministries in check will leave, and you have not seen yet what you will see in the area of de dealing with demons, casting out demons and exercising authority over demons. And we're about to step into it like you step through a door into another room. Amen. See, I, I had a word from Pastor Nancy, but really by the Holy Ghost. That's the way I look at it. Yeah. But I was coming into a new room. Of course, I've been before this door for a couple of years now, and I think I'm, it's starting to come ajar. Amen. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that's interesting. Even if you don't believe me, I know you love Kenneth Hagin. I love him too. You know, as I got to reading his books, I thought, what an incredible man. Hallelujah. Okay, here's just a couple other things here, and we're going to simmer down, maybe. So you learn to study God's Word 
in, on this subject, but also learn your pattern. See, if I try to do it like somebody else did it that I'm not accustomed to, it might not work like it does for me. I didn't read a lot of books about stuff. I, when God dealt with me, he said, stay with the New Testament and the book of Acts, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I, this is interesting here. Jesus taught more and gave more information about the devil and demons than any other person in the Bible. I think you need to think about that. The master, our Lord, we say, we love you, Lord. And he says, come follow me. Right? And do what I did. And, do the, and we read it in Mark and other places too. The average preacher and sheep knows very little about this subject sometimes. And Isaiah 5.13 says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge or to go into captivity. Isaiah 5.13.14. Hosea 4.6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Not that they don't know anything, but they don't know anything about this maybe. What you know about, what you don't know about can hurt you. Many times people are criticizing what they don't know about or understand. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. I don't think I've wore you out on the scriptures yet, but I'm just talking. Are you able to follow me? Yes. 2 Corinthians chapter, uh, let me look here. Chapter 2. And, uh, and I always bring this up no matter what I'm teaching anymore. Uh, chapter 2, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 and 11. Paul says, to whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything, to whom I forgave it for your sakes, forgave I it in the person of Christ. In the person of Jesus, but also in that anointing. He's protecting the anointing by being a forgiving person. I'm telling you, if you don't forgive people, you're going to be tormented. It's in Matthew 18, by the way. I'm not done here, but Matthew 18 I think it's chapter 18, at the end of that chapter, if you won't forgive every man from your heart, you'll be delivered to the tormentors. That's not God and his crew, that's the devil. But he says, if you won't forgive people. You know, I made my mind up about 15 years ago. I said, Father, I'm making, I'm adding this into my covenant because I see the significance of not forgiving. I forgive everybody from my past. I forgive everybody in my present. I was a pastor then. Uh, I forgive people in my future before I get there because I know they're going to irritate me, some of them. <laughs> you don't think so? Okay, go ahead. You got to, and Paul is saying, the first verse, the second verse is even more important just a minute, but he's forgiven everybody so that he can have that anointing from Christ to minister to people. You can't go over, listen, I don't care what they did to you. I didn't say it was justified. I didn't say, but you have to forgive people. If you forgive somebody, that doesn't mean you're saying that was right what they did to you. I had a lady sent me an email. I, I think it was in your, your church. I don't know her. I still don't. I, her name's on a piece of paper somewhere. She came to my meeting at your place, said her father done a lot of things to her and all that kind of stuff. But I'm going to go further with that. I think you understand what I'm saying, don't you? And so she said, when my father got done with me after this many years of abuse, she wrote this in her email to me. I don't even know who she is. All I wanted was liquor and men. And she said, I knew I was in a dreadful state. And you said something from the front while you were preaching about you get a lot of people delivered in their minds from things that have been tormenting them. And that was me. I got in your line. I still don't know who she is. There's a name there, but I don't know her. 
He said, when you touch my head, all of the things of the hurts of the past and everything just melted away. I really didn't do that. The anointing in me did that. <laughs> and she said, now I feel whole again. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Really amazing. So it's important. Listen to me. It's important for what you could do for other people if you'll be forgiving person. You know, you're going to have to forgive people. Because the next person I come to, if I'm not, if I'm mad at five people over here and I'm in some other state trying to help them, I'm of no value. It's really not flowing through me like it should because I got issues about unforgiveness, resentment, bitterness. Yeah, I wasn't bragging on me on being a tough guy with big mouth, but you understand I was ex-drug addict, and there's all kinds of people I got around after a while, and they were they were some bad motor scooters. They weren't just shoot their mouth off to you; they'd kill you. <laughs> so, I would he just pushed all my buttons, and I was defending the waterhead kid. And there was others in the barracks that felt the same way as me, or they wouldn't jumped off the bed and got behind me, like if you want to bring it, we'll bring it to you. You know, I'm not a hero either. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm special because Jesus died for me. That's how I look at it. That's it. I was just a burnout drug addict when I found him. My memory was shot. My body was shot. And I mean, just all kinds of stuff. Because I didn't, I didn't, I didn't take care of myself. All right, look at verse 11 here. He's talking about forgiveness again. At least Satan should get an advantage of us. For we are not ignorant of his device, a better word be his schemes or his plans for us. Because if he can get you into unforgiveness, he takes advantage of you. I mean, if, if, if things aren't working right, that would be one of the first doors I'd go to. Who have I got something against? <laughs> Who am I not for, you know, get them out of their cage every day and beat them up and put them back in their cage. That's not a good way to live. Faith works by love. Yes. Amen. All right. Now, I don't know what you're thinking. I had to make some people leave my church. They were predators. And I said to the one guy, I'm willing to help you because your wife came in. She had a belly full of complaints about you. And there's no Christian man alive that would ask his wife to do. And I didn't know what she was going to say. My secretary was with me. She always has been. Or another lady on staff. I never meet with a lady alone. Even if in the sanctuary the staff knows to stay inside where they can see me, whoever this is. Because <laughs> she could say, well, Dr. Jacobs touched me. Or did, and I'd have witnesses that I didn't do anything. What was I saying there a minute ago? Huh? Yeah, and, and he, I said, I'm willing to help you, sir, if you'll listen to me and obey me. He said, you can go to hell. I said, well, you're going. You're closer than I am. Hey, you got to understand me. You might not like me, but you have to understand me. And he got up and went through the door, and I followed him, and he started to hit the front door. I said, listen, you stay gone. If you come back, I will whip you myself, and I got some big old ushers can handle you. And if you fool with me, I'll put a restraining order on you. And you stay gone. For, you're a predator. I've had several people do that too. The, the ladies came and I didn't know what they even wanted. Donna would say, what do you want to talk to me about? Well, just some family business. Then she sat down. I, I only gave her about 45 seconds. 
Stop, 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 stop. Too much. You got little kids in your family, don't you, lady? Yeah. Does he have a computer? Yeah. Do you know the code? Nope. End of story. You don't even know what he does, what he looks at, what he does. Oh, my God. And this lady stayed with these guys. I know it would be a terrible thing to have two little kids and just walk out on your income if that's the way that thing is working. But you've got to be protective of your children. That right there should tell you, you know, and we, that could be repeated over and over and over and over. But I don't want to give Satan a doorway into me by being unforgiving. Yeah. Let me see here. The ministry of deliverance is not an excuse. This is, this is what you guys would like to hear from me, I think. This ministry of deliverance is not an excuse to be lazy, have poor priorities, or just do a minimal thing as a believer and do very little to build your spiritual life and then come running to us when you need help. Yeah. I've been willing to help people my whole life. All, my whole life. You know, it's not about what they deserve. And by the way, quit thinking you deserve anything. God dealt with me about that several years. Tell people to quit thinking they deserve. You don't want what you deserve, Michael. You want what I'm offering. Does that make sense to you? I just want what he's offering. All right. <laughs> Jesus ministered in church services and street corners. Sometimes occasionally maybe a private session, but I don't see a lot of that uh, in open air services. And, you know, I've had people so weird. They said, what do you think about praying over people when there's children? I think it's the right thing to do. I think your children ought to know somebody's got some strength in this and can get people delivered. I have two children. I have a daughter and son. I cast that out of both of them at least once in my home. What was wrong with them? That's none of your business. But I knew something. So I just walked over. My daughter was on the couch. I said, come out of her. She's a very godly lady. My son, same way. He's the pastor of the church now. But this something harassing them, something following them. I made it leave. Thank you, Father. Thank you. And I would just say a couple more comments here and I'll be done. I'd like to give a couple illustrations too. One of them was a lady in my church. This is not her real name. I don't use people's real names. But let's call her Mary. And she got in the prayer line. And I, I, I got her by the head and I said, come out of her. And that thing walked right out of her. Came out of her. He saw me, gave me a dirty look. And then he turned around and he walked right back into her. I said, Mary, you got problems. No, I don't. Listen, you either listen to me now and let's get it straight or just go on home. I got other people to minister to. I'm not being mean. You know, this is the way I operate. So what's the deal? Well, the deal is I don't like my husband. I said, well, did he do anything to you? No. I said, well, then you need to forgive him. You're going to do that. Either go home, take your devil or you need to forgive him and get delivered. You really said, I really said a lot of things that I'm not even telling you right now. See, you got to want to be free. Somebody said one time, you can't kick your friends out. If you're friends with this or that, or it could be in a lot of different areas. Lying, strifing. Oh my, you want to go home early? Just be a strifer. <laughs> I mean, James says it opens the door for every evil work. When it's got every before it, I'm very cautious. 
that should say a world to us. So I said, what's it going to be, Mary? Well, I guess I'm, I said, no, I'm not going to pray for you halfway. Either you tell me you're sincere, you're going to forgive your husband or not. Yes. Give me your hand. Father, and Father, I forgive my husband and Jesus. And when she said amen, that spirit, I didn't have to say come out again. Listen to me. I'd already given the command, but I said to her, to her face, you got something wrong because you left the door open. He walked right back into you. But when she said amen that time, he went, he left because he knew he had to. Cause I, and he turned around and gave me a bad look. <laughs> I just gave him one right back. <laughs> yeah. Praise God. Norval Hayes says, demons aren't looking to attack smart people. They're looking to attack ignorant people. This came from Pastor Nancy, one of her fresh oil. Thank you. Very meaningful. When a demon comes into a person, they think they found a home. They think they own you. And they don't want to leave. Demons don't own anything. Use your authority and run them out. That's what I just said a minute ago. You got to run them out. They want a human being because they want to make fun of God for humans are God's number one prize. Then Norval said this, if you don't know how to get rid of devils, the devil will make a target out of you. What a comment. That is so rich. If you're sold out to God and will do everything in the world, the devils will do everything in the world to discourage you. See, I'm not saying we're living in some kind of utopia because we take a stand against him, but we still win. <laughs> I mean, you have challenges. I've had challenges. Are you listening? Yeah. Okay. All right. Praise God. I'm just, just about ready to minister to some people here if you want ministry. Let me tell you something about this. I was in Mexico. I've been in Mexico probably 70 times in my life. I don't know a lot. And uh, we were in Guadalajara that particular meeting. I'm going to Mexico City in a few weeks. And uh, I was ministering up front and just kind of a lull in the service like, you know, wasn't nobody up there. We were just worshiping God. And all of a sudden I look, there's a guy coming down the center aisle. <laughs> when I looked at him, I knew he's not right. And four ushers jumped up. I, don't, I didn't say anything at that point. And they just jumped up and started towards him. And he started barking at me and growling. I've had people do that to me, human beings. I mean, and if I didn't have faith, it'd make me intense. It'd make me, you know, want to pull back. But I said, shut up and come out. It was about 15 feet from him. He took one more step and he froze. All of a sudden this, well, we'd call it drool or something. But when it hit the concrete, it was a puddle there because he stood there for a few minutes. And it looked like you threw Alka-Seltzer in his, whatever that was, and it was bubbling up. <laughs> I, I just went on back to him. He went, where am I at? I said, you're at church and you need Jesus. Give me your hand. He just put it out like a little preschooler would. I said, pray after me. And he prayed and asked Jesus in his heart. So I thought, well, praise God. Amen. Well, the next morning I was preaching. That was a Saturday night, Sunday morning. I saw him sitting over here with... Uh, two adults, they look quite a bit older. And then another lady that was probably 10 years younger than him. He was about 32, 35. And when I gave the invitation to get saved, all four of them came forward. And the lady says, are you the man to cast that thing out of my son? I said, yes, ma'am, I am. 
She said, can I tell you a story? And the Lord said, let her talk. So the interpreter stood by me, revealing this. And she said, our son was so crazy and violent, we had to put him out of the house. 35-year-old. He, when he came out of that trance that the Lord put him in, when I said, shut up and come out, uh, he didn't know where he was. I said, you're at church and you need Jesus. Give me your hand. And he just put it right. It was like a little kid. She said, we put him out two years ago. Sometimes we hadn't heard from him for a long time, but we thought he would try to kill us in our sleep. We changed all the locks. We had like boards on the inside of that big door, changed the lock. And then, and he came home last night and this is, she told me this, mom, dad, let me in. I swear to God, I'm different. And he said, me and my husband on the inside said, should we do it? He's lied to us so long. Yeah. At first they thought, no, we're not going to do it. And he just prevailed 45 minutes. Mom, dad, please let me in. Finally, they said, well, okay. They let him in. He came in, fell on the couch, started crying. He said, I don't know what happened to me. I ended up in church and some American preacher cast the devil out of me and I got born again. (laughs) (laughs) And this Catholic lady, so sweet, she said, we want to pray with you too to make sure we got Jesus. So the daughter and the husband and wife, we all prayed. That's what you call power evangelism. I got to at least tell one more story. That's okay. It made my water a minute. Man, I'm dry. <laughs> you could smile at me every once in a while. <laughs> I like you think I'm legitimate. <laughs> I'm not making these stories up. You know, some people just stretch things and come a different story after a while. I just tell it exactly like it happened and what, what happened. And I'm no hero. I just did what I needed to do with this guy. I could tell he was not right. But one day, one day I was at church. It was late. I mean, not late, late, but like 6.30. And I've been there since 8 in the morning. That was when I was pastor. You did have, you deal with your staff. What I mean is what we're going to do today and da-da-da-da-da. And took a few calls maybe and maybe counseled somebody. And I'm in my office, you know, and it's 6 o'clock and my wife was with me in the other office and came back and said, there's a guy in the foyer said he wants to talk to the pastor. She said, he looks like a biker. He's got a bandana on. I said, tell him to go on. I don't want to fool with him. And this really got me. Jesus said to me, Michael, you could help him if you wanted to. (laughs) What kind of deal is that, Jesus? You could help him if you wanted to. <laughs> like I was the heavy. So my wife had just got to the door handle to go tell him. I said, hold up. I tell him I'm coming. So I go out there. He's about 6'4". He's got a bandana on, motorcycle boots, one of those uh, wallets with the chain. I don't know where all that chain goes to, but <laughs> I said, how can I help you, buddy? He said, my sister's full of the devil. And I tried to command him to come out, and he scared that out of me. <laughs> he said the word. I don't need to tell you what he said, do I? Okay. I just wonder if people are catching on. <laughs> I said, I appreciate your honesty. Where is your sister? She's out in the car. Well, go get her, and I'll pray for her. And I'm, I don't know what it was about this lady. She was a strange person. <laughs> She had her purse like this. She got, she came up to, I'm just right inside the main doors of, you know, of our vestibule. And she goes, 
so she stood about four feet from me. My wife is over in the office with my daughter, and they're lifting the blinds to see what's going on. <laughs> my son Jordan, he's coming down the hall. He's just a teenager then. And he, she starts barking at me and growling. I mean, if I could do it, it'd make you scared, I think. But <laughs> no, I don't know. But I mean, it's vicious. And so he came down the hall and he, he saw her doing that about four. He was like a chatty Kathy. She <laughs> took off down the hallway. <laughs> True story. I'm not embellishing anything. So I jumped on her. Come out of her. She fell out. And he goes, my God, preacher, you killed her. <laughs> the brother. I thought I didn't kill her. She'll be back. She'll be back. Sometimes people have a little, uh, like a fit of carnality. Really, it's like an like a epileptic looking thing to try to scare you. I don't pay attention to it anymore. And they always come back. You know, I'd get arrested if I was killing people at the altar. You know that, don't you? <laughs> Just trying to make you understand. All right. All right. Let me tell you one more story. These are all real stories. I'm not. So I had a couple in my church. Uh, I didn't know them that well. They'd been there a month, well-dressed. Came up to me one Sunday morning, said, we, we, we heard that some of the members here said you cast out devils. I said, well, if they need it and they want it, what's the problem? Our daughter, how old is she? 14, what's the matter with her? Well, she sneaks out at night and has sex with boys, started doing drugs, and now she's doing more and more drugs all the time. So what about her? We want you to come pray for her. Well, where is she at? We put her in the mental hospital. You did what? We put her in the mental hospital. I said, I only pray for ch children. That's just a child, 14. When the parents are with me, if you'll be with me and you'll do what I say, I'll do it. If not, forget it. I'm not going to fool with you or your daughter. I, my heart goes out to her because if you leave her in that condition, I won't tell you what I think will happen, but it's not anything good. No. So they said, okay. I said, okay, I'm going to call over there and tell them I'm coming. I got to show them an ID. They got a guy to go up with me, unlock, throw me in. She's in room 12. Go down <laughs> I go in, there's a the husband and wife. I'm thinking, well, praise God. She ran to the furthest corner, crouched down in the corner like a dog been whipped with a paper. <laughs> I said, okay, Dad, you're coming with me. So I was going to go over and lay hands on her. Didn't bother me a bit. I mean, I want to get her free. Right. You know, first of all, when you deal with drugs and sex and you're just a kid, you, you don't even know how to process that. You just think it's fun. And so I went like that and he grabbed my arm. I said, what's the matter with you? Well, we've been thinking. Oh. You've been thinking what? Do I need to tell you what you're thinking too? No, but we don't want you to help us. So you're going to let your young teenage daughter, who you know is already having intercourse, maybe with boys, maybe with boys and girls. I don't know. When you say that anymore, I, it just goes everywhere. And she's taking dope and you want to leave her in here? I've been in a mental hospital. I know some of you think I'm still mental, but you're wrong. And I was there because I'd really had a nervous breakdown kind of thing as a young man. But I got delivered from all that stuff. And they're just going to feed her more medicine. Yeah, you know, you can't counsel a devil out of somebody. That's right. 
there are several people here today that's been set free in my ministry. I'm not asking for a show of hands or nothing. That's not the point. But even pastors sometimes, if they really are dealing with a hard thing, they come and talk to me, is this private? This is private. Then they tell me what's going on. I said, well, in Jesus' name, come out. And then they went back free. So I'm happy. Anyway, I said, you're really going to just let her be like this, aren't you? Yep. I said, you people are nutty. You, you two deserve to be here. Did you let them have it? I sure did. I didn't hit anybody, but I told them what I thought. And don't come back to my church, and I'm not coming tomorrow or next week if you call me. It's done, buddy. I've prepared myself to be in the shape I need to be to minister to her effectively for your ha- and particularly for her. I can't believe you treat your own daughter like that. <laughs> you got problems. You two have problems. So I had to leave her like I found her. You know, Dr. Summerall told us that one several times. You don't minister to children unless you have a guardian or a legal guardian or a parent that's going to stand with you in the deliverance. (laughs) You ever minister to other children that stayed free? Yeah. I had a lady come to me. I I was just a member of that church. My daughter went to a slumber party. She got fooled with. Now she's really squirrely. Her mind don't function right. She's thinking weird. And we want to know if you'd pray for her. I said, well, I'm going to pray for her under two conditions. First, you talk to the pastor who's my friend, but I'm not going to usurp his authority. If he allows me to minister to her, I will. And secondly, if I have Judy Johnson with me. Because she was a very spiritual lady in that church. And I wanted a woman with me. Yes. You listen. <laughs> I know life's not perfect, but if you can do that, protect yourself. Plus, she's a very spiritual lady, and I knew her. So we prayed for that little girl. She was about 13 at the time. Got totally delivered. Been normal since. See? You ever pray for homosexuals and lesbians? Sure. If they want it. Not of them get free and stay free. Some of them didn't. Got back in it and died. So, are you with me still? I praise God. <laughs> Thank you for giving me time. I'm going to. I'm going to minister here just a second. First of all, I wanted to know, uh, maybe I could get some help from David here or the team or something in just a second with the song. Uh, I wanted to know if, stand up please. I'm sorry, I've been preaching a while. And uh, if you feel like you need help and you'd like to come up here, I want you to come up here and stand somewhere. I'm not going to ask you why you're there. I'm just going to take authority over the devil. I got three things to do here. So you guys could move that for me maybe if anybody's coming. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Praise God. Come on, come on up. We're not asking people why they're here. We we, we believe to help you in the name of Jesus. Whatever is in you that's not right, you know, in that particular area, we just believe it to get out of your life. Now, you know, here's the thing with that. You've got to stay in the Word, stay current with God, love Jesus, worship Him. Everybody can do that. Let's all try it a minute. Lift our hands and say, Father, we love you. We thank you for your delivering power that sets people free. I'm asking you today to set me free. And I know you will. When hands are laid on me and the anointing comes in me, it will drive out every spirit that shouldn't be there in the name of Jesus. I'll start down at this end if I could here, gentlemen.
Hallelujah. David, I'm going to put that there, a little sticky Tim. Come out in the name of Jesus. I break the power of that over your life. Come out in the name of Jesus. I break the power of that over your life. Come out in the name of Jesus. I break the power of that over your life. Come out in the name of Jesus. I break the power over your life. Come out in the name of Jesus. I break the power of that over your life. Hallelujah. Jesus, come out of her in the name of Jesus. Come out of her in the name of Jesus. I break the power of that. Jesus' name, come out by the power of the living God. Jesus' name, come out of him. Jesus' name, come out of her. I break the power of that. Jesus' name, come out of her in the name of Jesus. Jesus' name, come out of her. I break the power of that that's tormented you. Jesus' name, come out. I break the power of that in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Come out in the name of Jesus. I break the power of that over your life. Come out in the name of Jesus. I break the power of that over your life. Come out in the name of Jesus. I break the power of that over your life. In the name of Jesus. Come out of her in the name of Jesus. I break the power of that over your life. In the name of Jesus. Jesus' name, come out of her. I break the power of that in your life. In Jesus' name. Come out of her. I break the power of that in your life. Go ahead and cry, honey. It's okay. You're going to be okay. In Jesus' name, make her whole. Jesus' name, come out of her. I break the power of that in your life. Jesus' name, come out of her. I break the power of that in the name of Jesus. Jesus' name, come out of her. I break the power of that. Jesus' name, come out of her. I break the power of that in the name of Jesus. Come out of her in the name of Jesus. Come out of him in the name of Jesus. I break the power of that in your life, sir. It's going out of you. Jesus' name, come out of the power of God. Oh my goodness. Jesus' name, come out of her. I break the power of that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just start with this gentleman. Come out of him in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus' name, come out of her. I break the power of that name. Come out in the name of Jesus. Come out in the name of Jesus. I break the power of that thing in your life right now. It's leaving you. Jesus' name, come out of her. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Come out of him in the name of Jesus that come out in the name of Jesus thank you father come out of him in the name of Jesus I break the power of that come out of him in the name of Jesus Woo. sing it David that's great come out of her in the name of Jesus come out of her in the name of
to just give this as an invitation, if it's okay with you, Pastor Nancy, for the five-fold ministry, just them, not the whole congregation. If you feel like I have something that's worthwhile, I will release it to you. I can't tell you you're going to wake up tomorrow having dreams and visions. I couldn't do that. But I can minister whatever I have. You know, I think it was Dr. Summerall said, 60 to 90 was impartation. I'm 73. I can't wait any longer to do that, you know. I can wait a little bit. I'm not planning to go home anytime soon. But I'm willing to release what I have. If you feel, if you're in ministry, you feel like I can help you, I'll just release it to you. And God will use you in your unique way. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Praise God. Okay, how far am I going down here? All the way here? Receive that impartation for deliverance. Receive it. Receive that, Pastor. Receive that impartation for deliverance. Let God use you in a mighty way, Morgan. Pastor Nancy, receive that. Pastor Cindy, receive it. Pastor, receive it. David, receive it. Dennis, receive it. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it, Pastor. God's going to use you both. Receive it, Pastor. 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 Receive that. <laughs> Somebody got her? <laughs> okay, I don't. 
scoot this way a foot. God's going to use you, Pastor Graves, like you haven't ever seen before. The Lord just said to tell you that. You'll have your own ways of doing that. I don't want you guys to get hurt to come over here a little bit where people aren't falling on other people. I'd just rather play it safe. Receive that impartation. Let that go in you and work in you. Receive it, Judith. Receive that. Receive that, Pastor. Receive that, Pastor. Receive that, Pastor.
thank you. Father, may you use these impartations. May they rise big on each person within them, and you'll give them even more counsel and all that as they need it, just like you give me that. Yes. And we thank you for today. We thank you for deliverance. You didn't leave that out. Thank you. For me and for many others. Yes. And I'm grateful. for your working in my life in that area. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to me. God bless you. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries.